Weirdom. Revelation by and through the mind of an infant. Chapter, 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 chapter. Five, 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 five. Intelligence and the fictional apology of Joseph Smith, Jr. Da, 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 da. I wanted to know if the Book of Mormon really was true. And you know what happens when you really pull on that string with a sincere desire to follow the evidence to whatever conclusion that evidence leads you to. And it didn't take very long for me to shift my belief that the Book of Mormon is a 19th century creation, written, and that's not even the right word to say, written by Joseph Smith, who was imagined by Joseph Smith. That's my belief, at least. My belief is that Joseph Smith had a very fertile imagination. And that he was interested in a lot of deep questions. Almost as interested as he was in showing off to other people being loved and the things that he would do to show off and be loved I don't think I'll ever completely know but there's a part of me that believes that there was a bit of a rift within the Smith family where Joseph's mother, Lucy, was quite domineering, kind of nagging, where religious things were very important to her and she had disapproval of the way that her husband, Joseph Sr., went about his life And I get the sense that young Joseph recognized this rift. And like many of us, when we see disagreements between our parents as young kids, as my oldest daughter saw with me and her mom, she would say, don't have a little fight. And I think this was something that deeply motivated Joseph Jr. to show off in the ways that he showed off and to seek love in the ways that he sought love and using his fertile imagination to explore some of the questions that were introduced into his mind from his mother on the nature of religion and I can't help but believe that there were some deep truths that Joseph stumbled upon. My dad used to have this saying 
not original to him by any means, but this is where I first heard it. Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn sometimes. And so, occasionally I will come across something from Joseph Smith and think, well, you know, he kind of got that right. As Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, from a certain point of view. Like this idea that in the beginning there were intelligences. This is kind of a, a really cool, interesting wrinkle in Mormonism, contribution of thought that I really haven't heard that much about. I haven't heard many other people interested in or excited by this idea that in the beginning there were intelligences and that these intelligences somehow formed spirit and that the, the spirit then became flesh. When this idea came into the mind of Joseph Smith and how it came into the mind of Joseph Smith, I don't know. I think it was sometime in the 1830s. I don't know if it was something that he read from Emanuel Swedenborg or that he heard from someone else or something that he imagined during a mushroom trip. <laughs> but it's not wrong, is it? Intelligences. Intelligence. What happened 13.8 billion years ago that science calls the Big Bang. This singularity, that this rapid expansion where space and time were created within a void through this rapid expansion of what? What banged? What expanded? What was it? Was it intelligences? What does that even mean? What, what does the word intelligence mean? Does it mean how smart something is? This is intelligent and that is not because this is smart. This is not smart. This is dumb. Or does intelligence mean information? I have this intelligence report. He works for the Central Intelligence Agency. He gathers intelligence. In the beginning, there was information. In the beginning, there was data. In the beginning, there was experience. In the beginning, there was progress. In the beginning, there was evolution. What, what is evolution if not intelligence building upon itself? From a certain point of view. Is gravity intelligence? Is it information? Is it data? Is the strong and the weak nuclear force intelligence? Is DNA intelligence? Do these chromosomes contain data that have been evolving over time, learning and adapting to the environment 
Was there intelligence that then formed spirit? Is spirit simply another name for the invisible cooperation of intelligent systems, communities, and forces that create what we call nature and life and humanity? Is intelligence responsible for culture, art, creativity, expression? Is intelligence responsible for the shape of your skeleton and the function of your brain? Is intelligence responsible for the shape, size, and function of every cell in your body? Is intelligence responsible for my ability to think and feel and imagine, even when I imagine things that might not sound very intelligent to some of you? Is it intelligence that allows you to determine that? Was it intelligence that drove Joseph Smith to create the Mormon Church? Oh wait, I'm sorry. I mean, to organize the Mormon Church, seeing as how matter cannot be created nor destroyed, only organized into different forms, as we see and experience all around us and within us. Was intelligence responsible for the vision of the fictional apology of Joseph Smith that I created in my mind during an ayahuasca ceremony when the intelligence that forms dimethyltryptamine and the intelligence that forms monoamine oxidase inhibitors was introduced into the intelligence that forms my central nervous system and my mind with all of my conscious and subconscious thoughts and feelings? Was it intelligence that fueled my imagination several years ago when I sat down and recorded this, the fictional apology of Joseph Smith? All right, so here are some thoughts that I had. The apology of Joseph Smith. Um... I was always a, a curious person, but I was also very skeptical and that may surprise a lot of you. And I don't expect anybody to believe what I'm saying. I know I wouldn't if I was hearing it because I was very skeptical always, even as a kid when I was hearing what my mom taught us about folk magic. It was interesting. There was something that drew me to it, but I challenged it. You guys don't know that, but it used to drive her nuts the way I would challenge her. But I wanted to test it. I wanted to prove it for myself. And that's how I got into the whole peepstone treasure digging thing. It was fun. And it was powerful. You know, people would pay us money to lead them on these treasure hunts. And we, didn't, we weren't getting money any other way. What would you do? But I knew. I knew what I was doing. 
And, um, but there were, there were experiences I started having because of the curiosity that I had. I really started feeling like I was connecting to God. I was connecting to the divine. You know, the first vision story, it's a nice story. I made it up. I made up a lot of stories. I'm a storyteller. But I started feeling like I was really connecting and starting to understand the purpose of things. It's like all of the religious fervor that was around us at the time and this Protestant zeal was a seed. And I started watering it and watching it grow. And what it, as I explored these ideas, it just became so clear to me that we can be like God, that God was once like us. That there's a, this thing that I call the light of Christ that's inside of everyone, your spirit, your soul. I really believed that. I really believed that we were deity in embryo. And it was such a liberating way to view people around me because I had been so skeptical for so long. And I started really seeing the divine in everyone. I just loved everyone. And that kind of uh, ended up biting me in the ass, but we'll get to that. I, uh, I didn't really want to start a church. I was kind of, I was pressured into that. But it wasn't hard to go into because there was so much love, so much excitement. People loved the message. You know, the Book of Mormon was really my first venture into storytelling, and it was clunky. But it was as I was exploring these ideas. And I hadn't come to some of the insights that I came to later yet, and that's obvious. But I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to know that this was really just me and my imagination. And I didn't feel like it was just me and my imagination. I felt like it was real. Like I was really tapping into the divine. And it was a weird process of writing the Book of Mormon and getting it published, but you know, there, there you have it. I did it. I was kind of embarrassed by it most of my life but it drew people it attracted something it, it ignited a spark it made people feel like they were important and I really felt like they were important that the heavens weren't closed that there was a chance for everybody to connect with the divine within themselves. That's how I thought of it. And so I framed it in different ways that I thought they would accept. I was always, I was always asking, 
how can I teach? How can I share what I'm feeling with others in a way that they'll understand it and accept it? And I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of trial and error. But ceilings, you know, when, when I got this idea for the, the temple, I mean, it was there in the Bible. So it wasn't like this brand new idea that I had, but that we could use this as a way to create a ritual to show people that we really are connected. And so I'll say, let's seal you together. So now you feel like before you didn't believe that you were, but now after this, you feel that we are. So we have these sealing ceremonies in the temple, not just to husband and wife, but to everyone. We were all sealed together. It wasn't about marriage. It wasn't about sex. It was about the unity of soul and how everyone was connected in the divine in the way that I imagined it. But, you know, not everybody understood the way I was trying to teach it. And, of course, you see today what's come of it. These symbols that had these ideas behind it that I was just exploring became monuments, monoliths. And a lot of wealth. I would have loved to have seen some of that wealth in my day. But it, it's corrupting. And I gave away as much as I ever earned. More. I didn't care about wealth. I did care about power. Felt good. The more that people were attracted to what I was saying, it felt good. And, um, you know, slowly over time, that uh, connection that I felt early to the divine got thinner and thinner and thinner and it was as my ego was growing larger and larger and larger. It was kind of pushing it out. And I was still... I was still doing pretty good. I was still having good insights. I was still leading people in ways of self-discovery for them. But when I started taking the idea of sealing a little bit too far and loving <laughs> too far. It started with an innocent dalliance with Fanny Alger. I mean, there were others before that, truth be told. But that's the most well-known. And it gnawed at me. How could I do this? How could I have such this connection to the divine that I felt like I did, but still be cheating on Emma? She was awesome. Emma was awesome. Why was I cheating on her? What was wrong with me? It bothered me. And I invented rationalizations for it. DNC 132. It wasn't until Helen Mark Kimball 14 years old. Most shameful moment of my life. 
was the realization after the fact that what I did, what I thought was consensual, what I thought was an act of love, I saw in her eyes the fear and the resignation. And it didn't hit me until afterwards. What a horrible, horrible thing I had done. And how could everything that I had done up to this point led me to that? And I went a little crazy. <laughs> I got really defensive. I wasn't the same person I had been before. And I saw that the way that the direction that the church that I had started was going, I wasn't proud of anymore. It was out of my control. I was out of my control. And there's no excuses for it. What I did was wrong. I feel that wrong. I carry that wrong with me through eternity. There's no atonement that wipes away how wrong that was. And there's no atonement that removes from me. Shame isn't the right word, but it's the awareness of how wrong that was. That doesn't go away. That's a lesson, unfortunately, that I had to learn. But what I want to say to all of you who are questioning the Mormon church, I want to say I'm sorry. I apologize. I was wrong. And the way that this church has gone, I'm not happy with. I'm on your side. If that means anything to you at all, I'm on your side. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones. That's it.